Welcome to the Be Transformed podcast. I am Adam Lavecki, and I am here with DK Kim and we are your hosts. Thank you for joining us. We are in this space to help you renew your mind and transform your life. We will be having helpful, honest, and hard conversations about culture and the kingdom of God. These conversations will help you to not be conformed to this current culture and will help you to grow in Christ. Jesus commanded us to preach the gospel and make disciples. This is an ongoing digital discipleship discussion. If you find this helpful, please subscribe, review, and share the Be Transformed podcast. Episode 9, Mission. Hey Adam, so we got some special guests here. You want to set up what we're talking about today? Yeah, I'm super excited for those who are going to be listening. This is going to be a great show. And we've got a bunch of men from a We See Jesus Ministries trip. We were all in Uganda together. We had an incredible time, supernatural time. And we're going to dialogue on the testimonies, the experiences, the expectations. So it's going to be good. We're, we're super excited. So who's with, state your name, gangster. Who's with us today? Hi, this is Isaac Lee. Good evening. This is Brett McElveen. I'm Jimmy Chandler. Hello, this is Jose Alcantara. So these are the men. We're with DK, which is exciting. The brains of this operation here. And um, so, men, here, here's the question. What were your um, expectations going into the trip? Now, I'm going to ask that question, then I'm going to pull back for a second and just kind of explain this to people. When you go on an international trip, there's a lot of faith involved. And, and the reason there's a lot of faith involved is because it takes money to get there. It takes time for you to take off from work, family, responsibilities. So there's a level of expectation because of a level of sacrifice. So there's a bunch of people going to the same place, hopefully for the same reasons. And so it's kind of like we're deciding to be full-time Christians for a week and we're, we're taking intention behind that. There's faith, there's finances, there's hope, there's expectations, there's unity. So there's a whole bunch of things colliding with favor, the kingdom, uh, the gift of faith creates kairos moments. The, the gift of faith pulls eternity into now. So there's, we're entering into kairos moments, God-ordained and appointed times and seasons. So there's a whole bunch of things that happens. And so I, with that in mind, what were some of your expectations? Um, before that, can you just uh, share a little bit about where you guys went to, where you guys just coming back from, a little bit about the trip? Yeah, so we were in Uganda, and we were in uh, outside of Kampala, a children's home. It's not an orphanage. We don't call it an orphanage because an orphanage produces orphans. When you call it a children's home, it produces sons and daughters. So that, that, that's, that's where we were. And uh, some of the folks sponsor some of the kids there. And so, that's, that's, so there's, there's some heart connection there. Um, so that was one. But our main goal was to descend upon Kayaka, Chaka. Chaka. If you're white, Kayaka. Uh, but it's Chaka 2, refugee settlement, which is a nice way of saying refugee camp. And there's about 131,000 people that live there. 
So that that's a very important uh, thing to consider because that that's a lot of people. That's a few small towns, uh, you know. So that so that's where we were. So again, with all that in mind, where we are, why we went, uh, what were some of your expectations, Isaac? I was expecting a lot of supernatural encounters. I think I was in Zambia and Tanzania in the past, and I know. Uh, just in the continent, there is a different worldview that is acknowledging spiritual realities. A lot of them, I, I knew that there was going to be a lot of witchcraft practice and familiarity. familiarity, And so I was expecting encounters where we would have to cast out demons. <clears throat> and also because there's such a great need. And we're really putting ourselves in a position where we're seeing people who know their need and they just really need Jesus to encounter their situation where they are physically, socioeconomically, spiritually. I was just expecting to see a powerful move of God, which we did. Awesome. Uh, just before we pass the ball to Brett, you know, it's, it's always important to, to bring scripture into a podcast called Be Transformed, right? The poor, the scripture says this, that the poor are rich in faith. So you're not, this is the thing that's important to understand. You're not bringing Jesus to the poor. He's already there. But what you're doing is acknowledging his presence and honoring the people that he identifies with. And so there's a, there's a, there's a release of the kingdom when you honor the Lord in that way. And so it's important to understand that because what happens is if not we're like oh we're, we're so amazing we're bringing jesus to the poor it's like he's already there mm-hmm. it's critical that we acknowledge him and treat these people with love and dignity and one of the things is that you're not ministering to people who don't have faith like when you go to africa you're not convincing people of the supernatural so the you know they're 100 percent convinced yeah you know and so that's that's an important thing to, to realize as it relates to taking teams that you are bringing people into a place where people are rich in faith. So that's, that's something to consider because that has really struck me a lot. It's like if the poor are rich in faith, who's really poor? <laughs> but anyway, well, okay, so Brett, what were you expecting? So it's very interesting that you went and said that. It's almost like you queued it up for me to jump on the mic over here. I'll you. Yeah. Boosh. So, um, you know, multiple times to Africa. This is my second time to Uganda, um, which really planted a really special seed in my heart a year ago through a difficult moment. So, and not just a difficult moment, um, you know, as you face when you go on every single trip, uh, it was actually a, a personal moment that my wife and I were going through, which made it very special. Um, and we wouldn't have had that special moment if we backed out of going to Uganda. So we had to face uh, some very uh, upsetting news, but we decided to continue on through uh, to serve the people. And so going into this trip, I was super excited. Um, Like I had told Pastor and some of the men here, I get way more excited about a trip to serve uh, my people 
in Africa than probably I, I do than going on an own personal vacation. As good or bad as that might sound. That's deep. <clears throat> that is deep. And that is honest. And my thing looking forward to going to this trip was, you know, just with the men that I was with first, first and foremost, I know how much that Africa and serving in a mission style, being a missionary, really impacted and broke my heart and put me on a trajectory that I would have never been ever before in my whole entire life. So it's very special when you see men by your side, when you can almost get a vision from the Lord that comes with time, comes with breaking down, worshiping the Lord, threshing, a changing of your life. When you start seeing other men next to you in church, people that you know, personal friends, and you know how much that their life can change because it changed your life. So it's very heartwarming, um, emotional actually for me to see people say yes because it takes courage, it takes guts to say yes because with their yes is gonna come some friction, but with friction sharpens your sword uh, and makes you sharp for the future so that you can discern and move about in a godly fashion through life where in other ways you would probably get washed out from the storm. So that was pretty emotional for me. Um, I, I like to sit back and observe, not always speak and shoot out wisecracks or say things you know, abruptly all the time. Um, so it was just kind of emotional to be even once we got there uh, in the van because people had no clue what they were about to see. Uh, I think I was definitely the first person to cry on the trip. And uh, I cried because I knew where we were going. And what you said, you know, the poor are rich in faith. And that's, that's very, if you really, if you, uh, if you let, you know, if you're reading the Bible and, uh, you know, you read words on a page and you read something like that and it means nothing to you and you move on to the next scripture and la-di-dee, la-di-da, you're going to miss it. And I don't miss it and that actually means a lot to me and makes me think because it's I'm not reading it. When he says that, it's actually reading me and breaking through some of the things that have been in my life and things that have completely crumbled me, crushed me, put me face down on my floor worshiping Jesus and crying out to him. And as you're going into these places, especially if you've been there before, these people are happy. I mean, they're in really bad, horrible, the worst conditions I've ever seen. I haven't seen anything in America quite like it, uh, actually. And you go there and they're just, they're joyful. And some of them are, I mean, most of them are terribly sick. They're either starving or they have blood bacteria in their, in their, in their stomachs or distended bellies. You have a high percentage of children that don't even make it or live in the camp. Um, you have women being raped there by their own protectors. I mean, it's really sick stuff. And we sit here on this side of the world and our faith can be shaken. 
or maybe I'm just speaking for myself. Uh, we go through a hard time, and it's it's been, despite what many people might think, my wife and I have, you know, sticking together and forging through things, more of our commitment to God has really broken through some amazing, amazing things. But we also have gone through the fire to burn off things that really we needed to shed. And it's, it's a tough process, and it will shake your faith tree. So going there and seeing how strong their faith is, their commitment to God, it, it really gives you a level of humility that just breaks you in pieces. And it just really creates like new space for the Lord to really move in and through. And it's just, you think you're going there for them, but it's just breaking everything in you. Yeah, that's that's really good. I actually wanted to mention that. It's, it's very energizing and refreshing to get around faith. And I, I can say that over since 2005, which is a long time ago, I've been traveling and doing this type of stuff. And I have been more impacted by the poor and the persecuted than anything else because you're encountering Jesus in the face mm. of the poor, in the face of the persecuted, in the face of the need. And it's just Jesus with no additives, no agenda. Uh, and, and it's very, very powerful. Like when I went to uh, preach, uh, Jim was with me. To be honest, I was tired. And when I hear their worship and their dancing, I was, uh, I just sat there and immediately Paul the Apostle's writing just hits me. And it says it where our spirit bears witness with their spirit that we are the children of God. And it was like someone, I don't know if you have the turbo charge uh, for your iPhone where you put it in and like three minutes later, it's like 75%. It was like I went into church tired physically. I was kind of cooked. And in like 10 minutes, my whole battery was energized. I was ready to, you know, go AWOL because I just felt just the life of the Holy Spirit, the energy and just the refreshingness of that, that raw hunger and faith. And and that, that to me, like that's very refreshing and just, you know, you know, playing off of what Brett said, I just find that that was, that's something that's ongoing that I experience in nations in terms of you're actually, you're going with love as your motive, but also you're receiving. And, you know, we may be going contributing food or uh, filters or all this stuff, which is great. And I'm thankful for that, you know, but we're also receiving a lot of things that money can't buy. Mm -hmm. And, and God measures wealth by things that money can't buy. So to me, that was really, uh, life giving. And I appreciate you sharing your experience. Jose, what was your expectation uh why were you going so yeah so i was inspired a couple years ago when brett actually went on his first trip to rwanda and i saw what it did to him uh you know he was uh he shared with us at the church how he struggled having joy and that that trip just completely transformed his life and change the trajectory of where he is now and where he's going to go in the future. So in this trip, you know, I was really expecting uh, to find a purpose in the kingdom. Uh, you know, for 
most of my life, on all I wanted to do was become a successful individual where I'll have like this fancy title, uh, all this money and all these accolades and thinking that it'll make me feel good about myself. Uh, given that I came from the bottom and I grew up with you know, pretty much nothing. Well, a lot more than what many other folks, you know, you know, compared to Africa, what they're, you know, what they have. But um, so I kind of like grew up trying to like ascend the socioeconomic ladder. However, there was still emptiness in me. So, you know, I figured that in this trip, what I was expecting is to for God to give me some kind of revelation uh, that I could hear the word of God so that I can know get some type of purpose in my life and understand where God wants to take me uh, there's also some emotional connection to Uganda because uh, back in I believe in December when Patrick came to our church uh, he was looking for sponsors so on that day I received a very powerful word from Abner uh, and he was basically gave me some words that of who I'm supposed to be in the kingdom so on that day, I decided to step up and you know and actually do something. So on that day, I you know I sponsored a kid, Sibo, uh, and I you know I was looking forward to really meeting him and seeing, and uh and seeing uh, where he was gonna go in his life, and I was looking forward to the interactions that we were gonna have. So there was an emotional connection there. I was expecting God to do something with me in there, and. You know, just uh, me coming to this trip, there was some doubt because mission trips are not cheap. They're very expensive. And, you know, I was praying to God, you know, for him to make a way for me. And when I was praying for him to make a way, I was mainly just praying for him to put it in my boss's heart to give me time to go. Uh, but someone anonymously uh, donated towards my ground costs. So, you know, God was moving before I even made it to Africa. And in my time in Africa, I just saw all these miracles. Uh, I saw, you know, people's lives changed, you know, like women's lives changed at that time. I saw demons casted. I saw, I actually saw God with these people. Uh, they were so joyful. Uh, big, you know, th there are little kids who are like, making a mud house and they have like the biggest smile on their face you know you put me in that position i'm gonna have the biggest frown yeah so i'm gonna have a major chip on my shoulder yeah. <laughs> like so, a white guy that hates the cops angry <laughs> so you know so seeing these so just seeing everybody there they're like i just saw god with them uh god was their source and, you know, and I want God to be my source in every, in, in every way of my life. You know, I want him. He's invited everywhere. You see that? He got an education from folks with no education. That's very powerful because that's what faith does. Faith qualifies you and brings you above your pay grade in the sense of your natural training, your natural abilities, your natural propensities. Faith in God elevates the capabilities. And here you have someone who doesn't really know anything. And here's this guy, educated, smart, sharp guy, 
and he's getting schooled by real faith, but not in the classroom in real life. That's really important. You know, I wanted to just stop because there's a whole bunch of stuff that's being, you know, that's happening in this environment, which is really powerful. It's like Jose went there for purpose. Brett went there because he has a love connection and a commitment there. And his, his expectations, if you heard it, was like, it's really good to go with guys that you're walking with. So that was something that he was mentioning. And Isaac is like, he just wants to see God move in power. So it's like, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. And, and see, when you're going to the same place for a lot of the same reasons, it's, it's really powerful. And, and, it, and it creates a momentum. And uh, everything was very smooth as a result of Brett's relationship with Patrick and then my relationship with Patrick. And, you know, the amount of planning that went into it versus how smooth it went, it, it was the grace of God. And that was our first time in Africa. And for me, it was powerful because my spiritual father had a, a heart attack. And so I went to uh, Uganda first in 2011 to serve his ministry. And then I knew God was calling our ministry to go to Africa. And I wind up taking a team of our own folks to the same nation that I was serving his mission. And there's, there's a principle there where if you serve another man's vision, God gives you vision. And so there, there's, there's a principle there that's very, very important. It's mission critical to finding your purpose. And so in the context of him, Jose trying to find a purpose, now God gave him vision. So th there's just so many different things that are happening in this type of environment and I really appreciate you guys, you know, sharing from your heart what it is that you are expecting. Because it takes courage to have expectation. One of the things I've, I've, I've learned in ministry, it's like I've got a PhD in disappointment. And that only, real, that, only is a revel, that only reveals that I actually had hope. So that's not something to uh, feel hopeless about, you know, having hope. Anyway, so Jim, what were your expectations wait wait let me just say jim and his wife are at rescue they're great folks when we when, when they came to church we're like oh man finally like norm, normal people because most of us are crazy you know yeah, normal white people normal yeah. whites i give and off I, that vibe yeah yeah I, I mean and here's the thing with jim now jen is normal she's very happy i mean I'm, i don't know if i've ever i don't know if you gave me a million dollars i could be that happy she True. is happy ha like lit happy mm-hmm and Jim is like, when you first meet him, he's like a normal white guy. Incognito, baby. Incognito. And then you get to know him, and you're like, oh, he's kind of crazy. And then when I heard his testimony, I was like, no way. Like, God did such a powerful work in Jim's life that he removed the stain of his past, and I couldn't even see it. In fact, when he told me his testimony, I laughed at him, which is, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I, I thought cried. he was joking. I cried inside when you laughed at my face. I'm so sorry, man. <laughs> we're having a moment of healing on the podcast. Might need another episode for Jim. Later. Yeah, we're going to do another feelings episode. We got to do another feelings episode. We did one a few weeks ago yeah. on forgiveness. So maybe we'll send that to him so he can forgive me. <laughs> but so Jim and his wife do Christian movies. They're in that space of entertainment, uh, but for kingdom purpose. And so it was, it was, it was cool to have you there. And to see you kind of move. But what were your expectations? Well, for me, um, 
Okay, thank you for the introduction and sharing a little bit about my past. And one of the things that, that struck me when you're saying that is that the stain that has been removed from me that isn't evident on me is all because of God's grace. Um, you know, I have all my teeth, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I could go on forever and talk about stuff, but, um, but we'll just leave that there for now. We'll pick that up on another episode. Um, but I expected to, and I wanted to have my faith rocked. I wanted to have, uh, my faith shook up. Like I was expecting it. I'd, I'd been to the DR 10 years ago when I was still, um, uh, when I was still in my, uh, in my active addiction. And so I witnessed some of it. I, I participated in a, in a trip in that type of poverty. Um, but I wasn't there to serve God. I was there to serve myself. I was there because my, my parents paid for it and they wanted to send me another trying to witness to me and uh, et cetera. But, uh, so when going on this one, I felt a call. So like you said, like, uh, like I felt something like when you would post something in, in the church about, you know, going to DR, these dates, ground feed, like it was like, it was good advertising. And, uh, there was a, something that, that was laid upon my heart. And at the time I was in, I was in college, I was going back to get an associate's degree. So I didn't have a lot of spare. I couldn't really give up time to commit. Um, but then when, as soon as I finished school, I had already been communicating with Jen about it and then I I was going to go. So, uh, I decided to go on, on the Uganda trip, which I'm very thankful for because, um, my expectations were met, That's good. (laughs) you know, like, um, that's great. To, Isaac gave me a little rating because right. Isaac's a smart guy. You know, he he gave me like that was a really efficient trip. So I was like, well, thanks, Val. Definitely. <laughs> it's it, it's a, it's it's always incredible to see to see God move uh, in those types of situations where you know where you have everything lined up, everything goes how it's uh, how it's supposed to go, and then even the people who are going there with expectations can can have those expectations met. And I certainly did because I, um, you know, like you mentioned before about the way that the Ugandans worship and um, uh, how, uh, they just celebrate God and dance, go up and down the aisles, like things that, uh, that you don't see in America. It was so impactful to see that. Um, and it was, it was fun. Like it was a fun style to worship and to, 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 to them playing the keyboards and the drums and bouncing up and down. It was just absolutely fantastic. Um, but like, as far as like getting a chance to witness to the refugees in Chaka, um, you know, I, I, I kind of had expectations as to what the physical place was going to be like too. Like I was thinking that it was going to be similar to like the, the DR with the tin aluminum siding, but I didn't realize how, uh, it was going to be mud huts. Like mud. I, I did not know how much dirt there was going to be like in Georgia where my family's originally from, we have Georgia clay and it looks the exact same as it does in Uganda, but it's not lining the streets. Like it's just proliferating in the air. Um, so those kinds of things were shocking as well to see the actual destitution of the communities and how it just never ends. Like you're driving on a road and the road is the same. Like you could drop somebody in one point and, and two different points in Uganda and you wouldn't be able to tell if that you were in two different locations because everything looks so similar. But um, being able to to witness the people and just like everybody said, just to see the joy on their face, like just seeing people. Uh, and what their circumstance is does not define where they are spiritually. Excellent. And that was the most amazing thing for me because it's so easy to get caught in 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 America or uh, under or in you know our first world problems, but our circumstance and allow that to be the thing that dictates our spi- our spiritual condition. And 
that is like the complete opposite of where of where, where God faith. wants us. Yeah, where real faith is. And to see real faith in the eyes, like coming out of their eyes. And like, that's the kind of thing I see with my wife. My wife had like, it's, it's, it's an incredible thing and an attribute of hers. And, you know, for me being more reserved and, uh, you know, like you said, until like I have like uh, more of an opportunity to come out of my shell, so to speak. But like, uh, but to see that, <laughs> to see that faith and people, you know, to see a smile on a woman's faith, on a woman's face, because, you know, she's going to have the ability to have some clean drinking water and she's sleeping in a five by eight room with a mat, with a stove burning coal right next to her. And uh, that's how she's cooking her food, which is like this very simplistic fruit that is called maize there, which generates a little bit of a flour that they get to eat. And that's like you know, praise God. And they, they can actually say praise God for that and, and mean it in full with, with full fortitude. And so to see that type of faith shook my faith and all it did was encourage me to like continue to have, just continue to have a what, okay, so what, how can we keep this going? Or how can I keep this going in myself? Because I've always had like a gratitude of like, I always, you always intellectually know that there's, you know, there's people in other in other countries that are really that are really struggling, but and then and then to have it uh, to have it really put on display and like this is this is their normal, um, which is an incredible thing to say. But to see their faith uh, through that, it was just is super impactful. And one of the verses that I kept hearing over myself was that. Um, uh, the one where uh, Jesus talks about the, the, what, what you do to the least of these, you do also unto me. And uh, like you, like everyone was saying, like you could just see Jesus was already there and it was like, he was there for me, you know, and me in that position. And you no, know, they were witnessing to me, you know, be, we were doing something in the, in the physical tangible ward and with health, with water, but they were doing something to me in the spiritual realm by showcasing what actual faith can look like. Uh, even in the pit of despair. Yep. I actually have a uh, very literal experience of what you're saying, Jim, with you know what, what we do to the least, what we're doing to Jesus. I was actually, uh, just to share quickly, I was in India for a mission trip one year, and we were serving um, the temple prostitutes there called the Devadasi. And part of this conference, we love on them, we share the love of Jesus and all that's really powerful, but the most powerful like ending is we do a foot washing ceremony so we yeah. wash the feet of all these women one by one we go down the line and it was a crazy experience because when i was washing their feet um i felt like i was washing the feet of jesus kind of like what adam said before you see the face of jesus um, when you're working with the poor it's like i felt like i was washing the face of jesus but when i spoke to them after that they were saying they thought jesus was washing their feet so it was a crazy like it was both Jesus reflected yeah. upon each other. So yeah, humility just, puts Jesus on display. Yeah. I mean that that your obedience put him on display. Mm. That that was amazing. Yeah, and the scripture I want to say something. The scripture says, "Blessed are the poor." It doesn't say, "Blessed is poverty." I hate poverty. Mm. I hate poverty more than I love prosperity. I hate poverty. It's evil. It's a part of the fall. Um, there was no lack before sin and death. So that's something to consider. When, when, you, when you look at the parable, 
and there's there's the poor man, Lazarus, and he's in Abraham's bosom. In the parable, Jesus says that the poor man who was sick and hungry received what was evil in this life. So Jesus' description of poverty is evil. It doesn't mean if you're poor, you're evil. It means you are living under the ramifications of evil. And the rich man, there was someone right outside his gate. And so I want to just say something because people are hearing this and they're like, well, I'm not going to Africa next week. What can I do? I think that you're just responsible for the person that you can touch, the person that you can see, the person who is in front of you. And so whether we're going across the world or across the street, compassion calls me to move toward someone in need. And so I think that that's something important to remember. Now, if you're saying, man, I'm bearing witness to like, I need to go on a trip. Well, we see JesusMinistries.com. We're going to Belize. We're going to the Dominican Republic. We've got another eight years in Africa that we've committed to. We've got stuff in Haiti, Wells, and uh, so there's a whole bunch of things that if it's like in your heart to say, I want to engage in this mission, then you can. And so I, I encourage you to go to wecjesusministries.com and you can find out more uh, as it relates to going to nations. There's another uh, ministry that I highly recommend going on trips with as well if our dates don't work for you. Ministry called Impact Nations. That's my spiritual father. They're doing amazing stuff in nations. Huge stuff. So... I just thought I'd kind of throw that in there. Now, Isaac, as it relates to uh, your experience, because that was that was about expectation. Now we're going to talk about kind of like experience. What were a few of the most impacting things that you saw or God did through you or you saw or you witnessed when you were in Uganda? Yeah, there was, there was a, <clears throat> there was a few experiences that were, that kind of I, I keep thinking about it every day actually since I've been back, but I can't stop thinking about the children like their eyes when we got out of the van and when we went into the Chaka camp, I saw the eyes of the of the children. It was so they were so happy. Um, they also looked just very unhealthy, yellow, and there was just such a strong impression that I got that man like the presence of Jesus is here it's really strong right now and there was just so much love that was not mine coming out of me for the children and I I couldn't stop crying and um, I was kind of joking about it with Brett because like I don't like to cry sometimes in public and like yeah it was just I couldn't control it though and I just felt this immense love for the children and also the love of Christ for the, the children, the widows. And, um, that's, it's always, um, like I know the capacity of my heart and how far it can go. And I know when there's love coming out of me, that's not my own. And so I just keep thinking about that. And like, we've been mentioning about compassion and how it's like that compassion that was in me, that was moving me to even love on the people, um, the compassion of Christ and, just been thinking about that, the, the opportunities also that I had to be able to share the gospel, whether it was in the field or at the churches. Um, it was not like, again, it wasn't my words. It wasn't my love. It wasn't my words because 
the Lord was giving me specific passages like about the woman at the well for the, uh, for the refugee camp church that happened to be 90, 95% woman, uh, another church where he gave me a word to preach on the life and promise of Abraham and the faith um, of Abraham that God honored and um, pretty much the promise of Abraham to have a child and have land. And then right after that, someone came up to me and Jose for prayer about his barrenness because, and he was waiting on a child and he, he wasn't seeing it. So he was praying for his barrenness. And then he, he was the one who actually ended up demonically manifesting. And so we had to cast it out. And so this was all orchestrated by the Lord. And I was just literally in a position to just witness it. Like I was like, Oh wow, this is, this is the excitement of, um, I mean, it's not like it can't happen in the States. It does, but I just, I was like, man, I'm right in step with Christ right now and with Jesus. And I'm just doing what he tells me to do, loving as he tells me to love. And it's, it's very easy. It's, it's so effortless. Um, yeah, I, I keep thinking about those two things specifically and leaving Uganda. My mind has been constantly just, I feel like I've been in like a turbocharged state of dreaming like a lot of the the real issues that poverty has like just wrecked upon the people um my mind I'm I've been asking the Lord like Lord what like with what I've been giving given what can I do how can I use the resources whether it's um even the education I have like the finances Lord it's like what would it look like you know what if to counter these things how old are you 27 27 years old and he's already focusing on others. He's ahead of the curve. That's good. I just wanted to encourage you. Sorry about that. Oh, go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's been. I can't stop my mind right now, and it's it's definitely um, like I I keep looking and thinking about everything we saw. And Patrick, he has already been hitting the ground running with Brett, and there's like hospital projects, school projects. Um, this, there's a, there's a training school where they teach widows at the Chaka camp how to sew and just even seeing that and the finances that wasn't even that much relative to what we have here, but how it can really push things so much more forward. It's almost like my posture has really been like, Lord, what, what can I do in this? And, um, Lord, help me to steward it, steward these things well and, to help these, like, I, I love just seeing those philanthropic efforts through Jesus Christ, through his love, moving and changing lives and helping to just give opportunity to those who don't have it. Excellent. You know, he said a word that triggered me, philanthrop- philanthropic, <laughs> philanthropic, philanthropist, philanthropy. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Jesus was a supernatural philanthropist. In Acts 10, 38, when it says Jesus went around doing good, the root word is where we get the word philanthropic. So Jesus was, we are supernatural, Holy Ghost filled (laughs) philanthropists for the kingdom. So that is Christ in you. And what I like is that you, you had this experience and now you're asking God, what is my responsibility? That's a sign of maturity. Mm. So you're going to be 
a storehouse for the kingdom. So that that's encouraging. And everyone at this table has that same spirit of, I saw something, I want to do something, which is good because you don't belong at the table if that's not your posture. <laughs> There's no microphone for you. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now, Brett, what was for you one of the most, give me a couple of just really impacting things. And just before you do, just think of them. For, but before you do, what he said, oh, Isaac said something really interesting. So Isaac doesn't have kids yet. And so for the kids to really pull on his heart, it's really God. And I got kids. So like, like everyone's like hugging kids. Like I'm like happy to be away from kids for like a week. But when these kids are running and grabbing me and holding me and holding my hand, the father said to me, Adam, I'm a father to the fatherless. And I was just encountering the father's heart and love for these kids. And uh, so it's interesting how God meets us where we are and he transcends our normal and natural life experiences to do something different in our life. So Brett, what for you was... Uh, the most impacting few things that you want to share with the folks? Well, <clears throat> I guess I'm going to cry on the podcast. <laughs> Excellent. That's the first crier. <laughs> Woo! I was just about to say what made me really happy was that I saw Isaac crying and that really fulfilled my trip. <laughs> 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 oh, man. Um, well, <clears throat> we shouldn't say the father to the fatherless thing because that kick me where it didn't hurt where it hurts you know um just to kind of backpedal here so um a couple years ago i was in church with adam my wife myself and our buddy leon and my man leon lambo leon yep and uh i was given a prophetic word that I was going to be a warehouse for God. And that uh, this gentleman, Abner, who's a prophet, <clears throat> and also dear, now became a dear friend of mine. AbnerSuarez.com. Yep. Yep. Soon to be probably Abner and Leanne. <laughs> Leanne.com. Leanne. <laughs> <laughs> no, Leanne. Uh, yeah, so, um, you know, he gave me a prophetic word and that there'd be uh, two children in my life. And... You know, through the years after that, we faced a ton of difficulty, um, some roadblocks. Um, but I, but honestly, it, it kind of led me to the biggest blessing that I could ever receive in my life. And um, where my my wife and I are adopting two two boys from Africa, and uh, the children there always had a had a soft spot in my heart. Um, not only because we wanted children, but just because I've knew I've already known from all the stories of what they've gone through and how fortunate I am to have a father here. And, uh, what was put onto my heart as, you know, going to the second trip, my wife and I already knew that we wanted to, we saw the pain of the people and we wanted to build, um, as kind of a, a gift back to the people um, to to donate a school for uh, Christian kids, a thousand kids, and also the adults to advance education. 
Incredible. And with the partnership of um, Patrick's Land and, and so on and so forth, giving refugees hope in Uganda. And uh, so this time when I went around, it, it, was, it wasn't like last time. I had prayed for more specific vision, uh, vision and more specific alignment to what the Lord wanted me to, to see and to know and to what was to speak to my heart and for, for me to digest that. And last year, you know, when we went to Kenya first, it was like an overload of information so much that I just completely shut down in the, in the commute back from the Maasai tribe camp. I remember that. The Lord was just bringing me to the land. And I kind of wish I asked the guys this, um, you know, while we were there, but I also felt this time like going to the camp I got very emotional because I knew where we were going, but I felt like the Lord was talking to me and saying, okay, get ready because this is what you're, you're, what you're about to witness and experience is the vision that I want you to have for the future and your relationship with the people here and for kingdom and bringing kingdom here on earth. And everything he brought me to was a specific alignment with with a woman, like various. It, it was so different than last year's trip because it was more like a collective carpet bomb. Like it was just I was meeting kind of everything, and this trip was so bizarre because he there's no other reason outside of Jesus that I would have met these specific women to understand what they were going through and the Lord's like private message to me while I was speaking to this women that these women had so much faith but had been rocked so hard by people. It's like there was a, a, a wall like a hundred yards high that they they still had the faith, but they didn't know how they were going to get over it, which most people would just be like, I'm not going to go over it and I'm just going to stay where I am. And the Lord almost like created multiple opportunities. I mean, like blatantly, like smashing me in my face with how the heck is this even possible? Yeah. He's talking about, for people who are listening, he's talking about lives that have been shattered beyond description. I mean, when Isaiah says, I'll give you beauty for ashes, we're talking about the highest level of ash, like hot volcanic ash, like shattered, raped multiple times, husband butchered. They're, they're fleeing from Congo. They lose a child on the way. They're five, six, seven kids in an eight by five room. I mean, we're talking about horrible hunger, no clean water, rape, war, abuse. And we're, we're talking about widows and orphans. And they have one thing in common. They have both lost the most important man in their life. So I just want people to feel that. 
because the gravity of it is is indescribable. And so now you're feeling this weight of this burden and you're encountering it. And God is not just saying, feel it. He's saying, feel it. And then let's do something about it. Yeah. So in multiple situations, and even the woman that he's speaking about was legitimately raped like one month before she was going to have a baby by multiple men. It's I believe it was five. Yeah, it's it's unheard of. Baby, you know, she couldn't, she used to have cattle. A lot of people would have their biggest thing. They might live in a hut, but maybe they own chickens or maybe they own a cow. I mean, everything taken from them. She had a, a baby who was sick um, with malaria, uh, a, a waterborne actually blood disease that she had where the baby, I don't know how much longer the blood, the baby would have lasted, but he put us in her way to immediate, like it wasn't even a thought. We just, it was just like responded. Let's do this now. Let's get this, let's get this moving. I'll say something that's better for me to say it. If you would not have sent that baby to the hospital, that baby probably would have died. Died. Yep. And that's, that's not sensationalism. That's reality. Yeah, and the woman was completely broken. I mean, broken down, still had hope, but she didn't know where it was going to come from. And like, this is the alignment out of 130,000 people. Like, how would this ever, ever happen? We, like, we had sent food to them, and the food just wasn't enough. The food could have been enough, but it wasn't. Like, I had to, I had to meet, I mean, this one woman. This happened multiple times over the week. The woman is now fed for the rest of the year. Her two boys are going to go to school. And we just got, we had the woman and her son rush to the Capitol to go meet a physician and go through a sabbatical of screens and blood, uh, you know, blood diagnostics, where now the baby is already like well on its way to health. I have a picture of the woman who's probably hasn't smiled in probably years and what I heard from Patrick was that she was laughing and literally crying at the same time just literally the joy of the Lord just pouring through her um, and that was just one one thing there was another prostitute who completely or a woman who had a sorry she's not a prostitute a woman who had to get down to the lowest of the low in front of a room full of kids and I mean this means you're you're really hit rock bottom when you tell your story and the fact that you've had to sell your body to a brick maker yeah like which means that the bottom the bottom of the bottom and who knows now what diseases you inhabited yeah. because of that and she looked like she may have had something which is super duper rock bottom her, her, she, she got funded for her, her business to get up and running, uh, which is a, her, her income so that her, her family can eat. She got people on the trip. Jim, I think sponsored her son. I think it was Jim, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Jim sponsored her son to now go to school. Um, and then, um, you know, it doesn't matter, but I covered the food for yep. her to eat for the rest of the year. Um, until she gets up and up and moving on her feet. And this isn't, this is not about us 
it's it's about the alignment. It's about the meeting. Um, it's about the the purpose of the kingdom and what God's doing and how He aligns us with people in need. And it's it's not even just about you know going back to what Adam said. It's not oh we can only do this in Africa. No, like. I cannot tell you how many crazy situations I've been in, people I don't even know, and the Lord will just gear me physically directly to a person to have a message from the Lord to that man or woman. And th- when, when, the, when there's alignment, there's something that's not like, oh, let's just go over here. No, you're, you're completely pushed and aligned by the Lord, you and that person, for you to engage, for authority to flow through you into that person so that there's a testimony that's being made. Excellent. Compassion, clarity, authority. When things align, it's like God triggers our heart. Compassion, which allows you to see the person's true condition, and there's authority to bring, to bring some change, some kingdom. Yeah, and I'll just I'll continue here, and I'll just I'll wrap up shortly. But this this continued on through the week, and it just it was so obvious to me. And I was thanking God at night to making it. I literally prayed, please make it clear. I mean, it couldn't be more clear than what was going on. Even in like when we were leaving the week, and we had a connector plane to get home, um, and we we were flying out to Dubai. It was so bizarre because of the seed that my wife and and all the men planted with me for the school. It's like, I want it. We want to give back kingdom to the refugees. So the refugees would, would make that. And it's all different things that go into that. It's like, okay, well, how can a parent afford to, I mean, even it's like pennies to send a child there. Okay. Well, how can the mother, or females, since there's really no males, how can the female get further education so that she can prosper and get out of there so she can have a life and, and, and fund her family? And then teachers, like how do you get teachers there and how much do they make? Well, we went, we went and kind of investigated a local school and it, I mean, you, you think you cry here about what you get paid. People should really just honestly be quiet because they're getting... $20 a month, $25 a month. And most people are complaining because they have to drive 30 minutes. Like, you know, honestly, I, I hate to say it, but people really need to get over themselves. Um, That's all right. I'm sorry. And um, so I sat next to a woman who literally on the, on, and again, I'm famous for this. I hold folks hostage. Hostage situation. I took pictures of it. Everywhere. On, fl- on flights home, usually the person sitting next to me on a flight is definitely a dead duck. When I travel with Brett, I said, Brett, <laughs> you need to get both headphones, noise cancelers, because there's only so much talking we can do. And this, and this woman literally started talking to me. She's a teacher and broke down literally how the whole school system works in Uganda, who gets paid what, how they get paid... I was asking your questions on like what would the right model look like for someone in Uganda, someone who's a refugee. It was just an amazing alignment and it went so smooth. 
I was so exhausted, but I felt so invigorated that I got that opportunity. Uh, also by a fellow, she was also a Christian, which was nice to hear as well. Yep. Um, but her and her other Christian friends were just sharing with me news about Uganda and what, how it's received when we, when we come. Um, and then also just about like what we should plan for and things to foresee in the future. Things to consider as you move forward. Yeah. Things to consider. And I just felt like the Lord just, I asked for alignment. He gave me that and he literally gave me a roadmap. It was like, I'm getting chills right now just to think about it. And God is just so amazing and purposeful. Like it is nothing is by accident. One of the things that's really important that he's saying, and I, I wanna I wanna say that I love this about breakthrough Brett, is that sincerity is another thing that brings forth clarity. When you are sincere, God provides clarity for that sincerity. And when you really have it in your heart to do something, to be a blessing, not to be seen, but to really bless the Lord, to honor God, God really begins to bring clarity, understanding, so that you can do something that is significant, that is meaningful, that there's longevity to, that there's legacy on, you know, so that's really important. Sincerity is something that, you know, God really honors that. You know, so I just wanted to mention that because people who are listening, it's like, this is not, as Brett said, about us. This is also about you responding to what the Lord is asking you to do. And here, here's why. God will not hold me accountable for what he's called you to do. God will hold you accountable for what he's called you to do. And so it's critical that you respond with humility and sincerity so that there's clarity because God is going to hold you responsible for what he called you to do. I don't feel it. I don't see it. We're not asking you about feelings. I'm talking about reality. You will stand before a great white throne and you will look a man with burning eyes in his face. And this man is able to see every intention of your heart that has ever flown through your heart and mind in an instant, the scripture says that nothing is naked to his eyes. He sees everything exactly how it is, not how we wish it was, not how we think it was, not how we feel, exactly as it is. And that's why sincerity before the Lord is critical. It's mission critical, and it is an expression of the fear of the Lord. Because when the fear of the Lord touches someone's spirit, it, it, activate something in their mind where they become aware that God sees things not as we wish they were, not as we feel, not as we hope, but as they actually are. And that's important because these these precious women have went through hell and here you got guys from the opposite side of the planet standing in front of their mud hut with enough love in their heart from Christ not only to hear them but to do what they're able to do to help. And that is the grace of God for them. That is God saying, I have not forgot about you. I see you. I hear you. God hears the cries 
of his children. And so that's something really, you know, important to remember because your obedience is the answer to someone else's prayer. So it's important that you engage and you get in the game and get off the bench and take this thing seriously and act like eternity actually is at stake. That That's really important. Like we still, I don't know, we still actually believe that hell is real, hot, and forever. And so if you believe that, like there has to put some sort of urgency into your life to say, I, I'm not, you know, God is not willing that any should perish, but we're still willing that people will perish. And we have to come to a point in our life where we don't get a Messiah complex, like we're going to save everyone, but we respond to how God is asking us to move and we position ourselves to move with people who are moving in that direction. You only move with people who are moving in that direction. I love you. I'll pray for you. I'll wash your feet and I'll bless you. But I'm only moving with people that are moving in that direction. If you're not moving in that direction, there's no way you can be close to me because I'm moving in that direction and I'm not stopping. So that's a very, very important thing that as, as men, we move in an intentional direction. This is the direction. It's not negotiable. This is the direction that we are moving in. Whether people like it, don't like it, feel good about it, don't feel good about it, this is the direction. Faith only has one direction, and that's forward. And you see that in Ephesians 6, where it talks about the the, the armor of the Lord. There is no armor for your rear end because you weren't created to retreat. The glory of the Lord is supposed to be your rear guard. God is supposed to watch your back, not you. God is supposed to be your shield, not you. It's our job to just move forward in faith, trusting him that he's leading us and moving in faith. And that often expresses itself through love, compassion, healing, generosity, forgiveness, patience. And and that is the direction that we as men are moving in the kingdom. So anyway, Brett, thank you for sharing all that. Jose, what is it that you experienced that was powerful, transformational, what it what was it that really just stands out to you? I would say that there were a multitude of things uh, that stood out. You know, uh, Isaac explained a few things, and so did Brett. Um, you know, one thing that stood out to me were the children while I was over there. Uh, like us being there felt like you know we were like the main event almost. Like you know, they were so thankful that visitors came. Um, you know, from the other side of the from the other side of the planet, uh, is just to express our love, uh, to pray for them, you know, to bless them, and um, you know, there was a time when we were on an outreach, and I was with Isaac, and there was uh, this boy who was, you know, he was kind of like following me. I would say he was a little bit older than many of the kids there. He was probably like 10, 11 years old. And I had uh, a filter. I was carrying one of the buckets. And he put his hand on the bucket. He was like, it kind of seemed like he wanted to take it from me, right? And I looked into his eyes and he was like, I can help you. Let me help you. And... 
when he said that translation of the tongue i will help you for the bucket and and uh that just pierced my soul when he said that because what he was really telling me was that i need help excellent and that just like broke me when i when i heard that uh because i've heard that several times in my life when somebody says i can help you but they're really asking for help and that just really stood out to me. So I was, you know, fortunate enough to have, you know, extra filters and we blessed him. He was sharing his story with me, saying that right now uh, he was uh, living with his sister, uh, that both of his parents are in Kampala, that his mom was uh, fighting a disease and she was at a hospital uh, trying to get some medical treatment. Uh, so that was uh, really powerful to me, uh, my encounter with this little boy. Um, there was another time uh, in when uh, Brett mentioned that we were at the site that Patrick and his organization uh, bought some land. And the purpose is for Brett to build a school at this site. No pressure. So, uh, yeah, no pressure felt. Uh, so, you know, it was an honor that Brett invited all of us to, you know, witness this. And, uh, you know, Brett decided to put a verse in the Bible. And then we all participated with digging the hole, putting that bottle on the ground, and we were planting a seed. So once we planted that seed and as we left, as we were walking towards the van, uh, that's when like I saw the vision uh, that I shared at Rescue last week of I saw foundation, I saw the school bill, you know, I saw the children, teachers, playground, everything that a school consists of. And I'm like, wow, this is going to happen. And this is going to change lives. And it's going to have generational impact. And I was just so encouraged. Uh, education is really important to me. I know that it's a ticket uh, for us to move up the socioeconomic ladder. And there's so much potential there. With, all the, with everyone in Uganda, they just don't have access for opportunities. That's, that's really important. Um, poverty is not a lack of resources. It's a lack of opportunity. My spiritual father, Steve Stewart, says this, that opportunity unlocks potential. So through a seed, has to die, broken open, light, water, then it brings forth the potential. And so through sacrifice, potential is realized. And that's really important because you're, you're, you're seeing something in the spirit. What he's seeing is he's seeing the word of the Lord fulfilled and that's important for him because if God is going to give you vision, that vision has to be mixed with faith. When you hear something, it has to be mixed with faith so that you can see the unseen. Oral Roberts said, if you see the invisible, you can do the impossible. That's a very, very important uh, truth. And even all the guys at this table, like except DK, the, the host, we were all in Dubai and we were on the 148th floor. Again, that existed in someone's mind before we were ever, ever able to go up that elevator and have coffee on the couch over there, that, that existed in someone's mind. So that's important 
to be able to see that. So yeah, so you know it was it was great that you know Brett is um, you know trying to build this school and provide opportunities. And a further conversation that I had with Brett, you know, you know he's also considering turning this into like an adult school and uh, giving adults an opportunity to equip themselves uh, with skills uh, that will. Uh, so that they can enter into the workforce with confidence, knowing that they actually have a useful skill that can change the trajectory of their life. Uh, so that was uh, real powerful to know that, you know, that's, this is where it's going. It's going to be something generational. And I also, in the trip, you know, I'm seeing with my brothers, uh, specifically Brett and Isaac, and seeing where the Lord is taking them. You know, I see that Isaac is being led towards ministry, and I see that he has the potential to deliver a powerful word. And I'm seeing Brett, and he's moving forward with a ministry that he intends for it to be generational. And uh, and especially once he adopts those kids, he wants the kids to, co- to continue the mission in Africa. So I just was really touched by them and where they're going and was very encouraged and um, looking forward towards like what God has for me and, you know, me moving forward. Uh, so I felt um, like, you know, my job in Africa is not finished. I feel like, you know, the Lord is leading me to continue to go over there, you know, and, um, you know, whether, you know, things may not look, you know, whether the road doesn't look clear, you know, I'm just going to have the faith and say yes and jump in. And you know, I'm, awesome. I'm I'm hoping for God. I'm hoping for God to increase my faith in this journey. So like, I'm really encouraged and supercharged to like want to continue on uh, to move towards the pur- what the purposes that God has over my life. So you know, that was a real powerful time for all of us to experience together. Um, Excellent. You know, you're gonna be a winner. You know why? Because you can celebrate other people. Losers can't celebrate others. So that's something that's really, really critical. I want to speak that over you, that you're going to be a big contributor because you can recognize what God is doing in someone and celebrate that. That's really big. For sure. I was going to say something real short to you, and it's facts. This is factual. You, you don't know where your road is going yet. Keep saying yes, and your road will be clear. Yep. It's a road you can't see. You're starting to see it. That vision is supernatural. Just keep saying yes. I said yes. My road completely, completely changed. The more you say yes, the more Jesus shows you the way. More clarity. Amen. Let me give you a Bible. Can we do a Bible for a second? Is yeah, that okay sure. On this podcast? <laughs> I think it's only right. Uh, there's <laughs> talks about a highway of holiness. Where you can't get lost. <laughs> so in the kingdom, your life as you follow the Lord, there becomes such a momentum in the in God that it's really it's really difficult to miss it. And if you miss it, it's only because you want to miss it. It's not like if people are like, can you lose your salvation? It's like not like an old hat. You have to actively and aggressively neglect it. And so the highway of holiness, there's momentum and it's, it's not possible to get lost unless you want to. So 
just to just to encourage you that it will become more and more clear as as your yes becomes louder and more more sincere which is which it has and it is and that's amazing so i just wanted to encourage you thank you and also want to share something else uh that i got from the trip uh you know and i which i shared at the time of my testimony that you know the verse from the scripture that really stood out was matthew 5 verse 3 blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs and you know these are individuals who are very rich in faith and you can just see like you know the the that fire in their eyes and how they make church the highlight of their week it's the main event it's you know that pay-per-view you know fight that we all you know pay a hundred bucks to see like you know they're all they're all there waiting uh and they're all hungry when we went to uh the last service there were like seven eight hundred folks over there and uh, we're lucky to get like 20 people together here in the united states so um Sorry, sorry if that if that comment caused Rescue any pain. TV. <laughs> yeah, but we love the folks. Yeah, for sure we do, and and I would say this, uh, you know, I and then we also went to Dubai, and then which is the richest city, one of the richest cities in the world, and yet extreme still, amount of consolidated wealth. Yep, and. Yet there's still a lot of poverty inside. That's correct. So who's really rich when you're empty inside and have all this wealth and yet you want to, you know, commit suicide. And then, you know, you got another group of individuals who really have nothing, but yeah, so filled with, who are filled with faith and joy and are just rich on the inside. So I just wanted to end it with that. And, um, yep. Yeah. Awesome. Jim, what was a few of the most impacting things uh, as it relates to your Uganda trip? Sure. Um, I just wanted to uh, comment on what Jose was just saying about trying to get 30 people together in a room or like trying to get people together. I just want to say as an encouragement, what's that? It was 20 said, well, that's, it doesn't matter. But what's amazing is that... (laughs) What no? This is what I want to say that I feel it's going to be encouraging. I hope it is. I hope it doesn't fall flat. I just built this up, so it better be good. Um, is that there are churches that are large in numbers that can't get twelve people to go on a missions trip? Oh, come on. So if there is a church that has quality over quantity that can put together six solid individuals to go overseas and witness and minister and be ministered to, um, who's on the perpetual train of eternity? You know, who's jumping on? Who's getting on that train? Um, I feel like we are, or we're trying to. Yeah. We're going to do the best we can to try and stay on it as long as we can because everybody else that's off of it, we can still see them, but they're going backwards, right? So I just want to encourage all of us with that. Yep. That hit me as soon as you said that. Thank but, you for pulling my head out of the toilet. <laughs> but I think one of the most impactful things for me um, as we've all mentioned, the, the children, I know there was, I can't remember if it was day one or day two, but, um, coming around, you know, going past that fire pit because that's what they handle their trash in. They put it into a fire pit. There's not a lot of trash there, by the way, because everything gets consumed or, you know, nobody's buying bottles of water. So, um, 
we turned the corner and it I was remember, very clean. Right. Right. It's, it's, yeah. It's yeah. There was not stuff everywhere. That's for sure. It wasn't like outside, you know, where people just toss everything. They had a specific place to like put New things. Jersey. Yeah. Like New Jersey. It's, it's unbelievable. But, um, when we turned the corners, you know how we had to go around the one hut and then turn left to go down to the training center is that I think it was, it must've been day one, um, was to turn to, come in sight and then see a baby that wasn't able to walk sitting in the, in the dirt on the path. Um, uh, and she had gotten a, I believe it was a girl and she had gotten a hold of some, some bottles, some, you know, Mountain Dew bottles or water bottles or whatever they were. And that was what she was playing with. And she was doing what babies do, which is putting those things into her mouth, um, right off the floor, uh, right off the dirt, you know? And that struck me as like one of those things that you you see kind of like on TV back in the day in the night, like when we all had cable yep. and you would see the, the two in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Infomercial. Um, and it was like there was right there a very, a very real, very raw piece of this community's reality. And again, it's it's that's the normal. She's just out there playing, you know, and that that struck me very heavily as to, 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 to further, um, put me into that place to put me into that, that destitution, that, that community of that's, that's stricken with poverty. Um, and so that was just a meaningful thing for me, as far as the visuals are concerned and the actual, um, environment of, to which these people are living. Um, and then as far as something that was very impactful to me and Brett, you started to talk about it was like alignment and like how one thing happens and then boom, it triggers something. And one thing happens, boom, it triggers something. That's what I had this idea about the train that I just said, it's like my son's playing with trains now. He's two years old. He likes trains, likes to see him move. And when you were saying alignment, it's like, who's getting on, like, or who's, who's joining, uh, and who's, who's saying yes to, to keep moving on that on that step and the train image just came to me that you know that train is just continuous it's a continuous train it's perpetual and it's headed towards the kingdom and you can hop on it or you can stand by and watch it go and i um i want to be somebody that gets on it and i know that because of, of my that there's going to be times where i might fall off or i might slip off but it's that i'm always going to be going back running towards that train that's going to take me uh to those places. So having that alignment and hearing, hearing about what it takes to start a business in Uganda, hearing about how uh, little money comparatively that it takes to start and how there's so much, there's, there's a small select group of people in the society that have the greatest proportion of the wealth there. And then there's, so there's, there's, there's rich and then there's, there's poverty. There isn't anything in the middle, but to see that there's still a lot of activity. There's, I mentioned this in the church service the other day is that there's people fixing bikes. They all drive the same bikes that come in from China or the same motorcycles. Um, or they have little huts. They're all designed the exact same or the one of them somebody's cooking uh, chicken or whatever meat that they can get a hold of probably goat more than anything else. Uh, or they're not eating meat or whatever the case may be. And then the little the tiny pool hall. And like, they have this environment that's very, that has some of the same things that you would see in a, in a, in a developed country, but it's just all outside and just all in filth and, and because of the dirt and everything like that. But there's still activity happening. And that was what struck me so much. And so when you talked about alignment, Brett, and you said, it, it, boom, this happened, boom, this happened, is what was happening to me was like, 
gosh, it only takes $250 to get somebody off of their feet and to get them in a position to be successful, uh, at least to the standards of where they're at, what could happen if there's 500, 600, 700? And, you know, we've been talking a lot about Patrick, who was our host there and, and had us there, and his position in that country is, 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 is not something to be messed with, right? So he he's in a position to make things happen or to help guide people in the right direction so that things can take place. And that's part of the alignment that I want to be in, uh, on board with. And that's why I want to partner um, and continue, like everybody's saying, it's like, well, how can I keep this momentum going? How, what can I do to help? And I want to come up with creative ways in order to to help the people um, in Chaka and in other areas get out of living uh, in the refugee camps and get them in to be fun- functioning members of the society for that that they're uh, uh, that's in their surroundings, so that these they can have a little bit more of a dignified existence in life. And so that's what I want to see. Uh, that's the impact that I want to see. And that's one of the, the things that I experienced there was having that, that relevation about, well, how can I find partners here in the United States that are willing to uh, invest money, but also uh, make sure that there's a huge investment that's going back into the people there at the same time? And how do we structure that? What does that look like? I don't know. I need to talk to people smarter than me. So I'm going to figure that out. Yeah. The, the future of missions is business. It's part of how you empower someone. Uh, Nine times out of ten, when you ask someone, do you want to learn how to fish or do you want free fish? Most people will say, I want to learn how to fish. In America, people say things that are dumb because they haven't been around poverty. They'll say, oh, I don't give free fish. I just teach people how to fish. Well, you can't teach someone how to fish if they're starving or they don't have clean water. And so it's kind of like intuitively we know that We can start a business for this woman, but if someone doesn't help her have food for her family, she will eat her seed. And she, she, so she will not be able to keep the business going because poverty is that vicious and you're living in a place where lack is dominant, not prosperity is dominant. Lack is dominant. So moving in that environment is very different. And so, um, just to say what Jim is saying, just to say that's the heart of God to be able to empower people um, to prosper through business is very dignifying. And the woman that we, the ministry put into uh, business, when she pays back her zero interest loan, she's actually putting someone else into business. So in addition to receiving dignity, she's providing dignity. And, and that's, that's very important because that, that is a key. That, that is a key to success in terms of setting someone else up to succeed through you succeeding, which is very, very uh, mm-hmm. kingdom. And let me just say uh, something to those who are listening. The kingdom of God is moving forward with or without you. So the best thing that you can do is get on board because God is... Uh, He's not going to be stopped or mocked. So the kingdom is advancing in the nations, no matter what. Historically speaking, the gospel has only moved forward, historically speaking. So you, you can either get with the program or not, but God is going to be moving with or without you. And when I invite people, I say, I'm going to lunch 
with or without you. <laughs> and I'm going to nations with or without you. And it's the same thing with God. God is moving with or without you. So the best thing that we can do is humble ourselves, respond to him, and become a part of something bigger than ourselves. Like, see, for me, to see you guys, like to see Brett go out and preach, that brought joy to my heart. To see Isaac be ready and him studying, I was laughing at him, he's studying on the plane. <laughs> and uh, that brings joy to my heart. To see Jose's eyes being open and, and Jim's heart being open and how can we start businesses? How can we, that, that is, I've given my life for that to happen. So I'm, I'm overjoyed with the response of people. Cause that's one of the difficulties of ministry. Like Jesus was perfect, right? And people did not respond to him perfectly. <laughs> so just figure if you're not perfect, people are definitely not going to respond to you perfectly. <laughs> so, so ministry is very difficult because you could be doing something at 100% well, but it doesn't mean you're reaping the fruit of that. So to actually see people finally responding correctly is very refreshing to my wife and I because... We've given our life to this knowing that there will be a payout for the kingdom, for our family, everything. That, that God will, if we entrust our life to him, he's trustworthy. How can I trust someone with my eternity? I don't trust him with my tomorrow. It's double-minded. It doesn't make sense. So for us, this has been a great joy to see your hearts activated in faith, you flowing in your gifting, you catching vision, you, you seeing purpose, you using the the resources and the brain power and the relationships that God has given you to be a blessing to people who can do nothing for you in return. That's huge. I mean, that's that's what the kingdom is. That's that was our position while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. He 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 gave himself uh, for and to people that could do nothing for him. So the the purest expression of ministry is when you're ministering to people who really don't have anything for you. And um, that, that's, that's very uh, encouraging, you know, to see you guys uh, move into that. And I just want to touch on something because there's something that, that is being said. All of what happened only happened because Patrick said yes. Patrick is a signpost to that community. He was a refugee. Now he's bringing uh, all this stuff to be a blessing, medical, school, church, leadership, water, all those things, all of the resources that we've been given— we're going through him because he is the known signpost in that community. And, and this is the thing that people have to hear. Short-term trips can only be powerful, really, through long-term relationships. This is very, very important. The people that you run with determine the trajectory of your life. It's just like this. If you get around stronger guys, you're going to get stronger. That's the bottom line. You get around guys that are moving, it's not about who's moving faster. It's not about competition. It's not about, I got to do this, I got to do that. It's not about us measuring ourselves against ourselves. Paul the Apostle said that's carnal, that's immature. What it is about is provoking each other to good works and say, man, I see these guys are running in a direction. They're running hard after Jesus. They're blessing people. I want to be a part of that. And, and that is the thing that people need to respond to, to, to say, I want to run with people that are running after the Lord. I want to run with folks that are intentionally going 
in the right direction. I want to run with that type of crew. And, and that's the thing that, that I encourage people who are listening. You've got to find people that are moving in the right direction and move with them. Everyone, the thing is that, and, and this is something that we, as time moves forward, we have to really watch this. We, we, there, you get all these different visions and you can miss the bigger vision. So it's important that collectively we're moving towards something together with purpose. Because if you have one person moving in a direction, it's powerful. But if you have four people or five people, kind of like the tip of a spear, moving uh, aggressively in a direction, it creates a lot more momentum and things happen uh, by accident. Like when you have momentum, there's things that you, you don't even have to work at or work for that just follow momentum. That's why the enemy always is trying to put a roadblock in the way to slow us down to stop momentum because it's like this a, a train uh, a humongous train that has no momentum you can stop it with your hand and a human body you can stop a bus but if that thing has momentum it will kill you and and that we want to have killer momentum in the spirit where you just have momentum you've decided i'm following jesus this is the direction of my life and, and, and for us as men, like even when you have momentum spiritually, temptation is, left, is, less, is less tempting. When your mind is renewed, when you have momentum, when you're, when you're living in the fruits of wise choices, you're like, why would I give that away for kiki or some craziness? Like, why would I do that? You understand what I'm saying? So I'm just trying to talk to us as men and also those who are listening in the context of when you have momentum, it's not worth it. To, to throw it away for something less than what God has already given you. It's, a, it's, a, it's not a wise move. And so for us, it's, it's been a great honor you know, to have you guys on um, the podcast. And I, I really appreciate you, know, you sharing your expectations and your experiences because that's sharing a part of your life and your heart. And uh, I love you guys. And I, I hope we'll be on more trips together. And um, DK, do you have any just final thoughts? Yeah, I just want to highlight one thing that I that stood out to me just sitting here listening to everyone. You know, when we do these things like like work and mission and you know things for people, I feel like we could do it in our own strength and we could do it in our own flesh and all we come back with is memories and stories, but you guys came back with vision. So I feel like cuz of that, it's just clear that you guys had alignment with the Lord in Uganda because you got you guys came back with vision and also this vision is from the Lord because it's like a vision where we can't even do in our own, own strength it's a big God-sized vision so to me I just felt like wow you guys came back with more than just a testimony you guys came back with a future so that really stood out for me that's awesome Amen. thanks for listening to the Be Transformed podcast Adam Levecki here. On behalf of DK Kim and I, we want to thank you for listening to the Be Transformed podcast. If you have found this helpful, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. Thanks again for listening to Be Transformed.